This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast. This is where we give you one of our full interviews of the week. This week, a member of the Pantsuit Politics podcast team. Millions of downloads. It's a bipartisan political podcast co-hosted by Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers. We caught up with Sarah recently, and here's what she had to say. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your background, Beth's background. I mean, the two of you together have done this podcast, and it's become quite a thing. So tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a long, lifelong political nut. And so I went to college. I had political science. I went to law school. I worked in D.C. I worked for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. And Beth had a really different path. She stayed in Kentucky. She wasn't really involved in politics. But we met in college. We were sorority sisters. We weren't close friends, but we sort of stayed in touch via Facebook, as people do these days. And you met in Kentucky. Yes, yes. Our college is in Kentucky. And then we reconnected when we both started having kids over sort of kid stuff. I was writing a parenting blog and she said, would you ever like a guest post on your blog? And I was like, absolutely. They were really well received because we did this sort of opposite sides on an issue. And I thought, hmm, maybe we could do something else with this. And I said, would you like to start a podcast? And she said, what's a podcast? And I said, don't you worry. We'll figure that part out. But we were not close friends. We hadn't seen each other in person in 13 years when we started talking about this stuff. And what was the initial idea? Because were you initially saying, all right, this is going to be political or this is going to be cultural life? What, what was the idea? Well, because of my experience in politics, I thought, well, I'll do a, po- a podcast about women in politics. And that's where the name Pantsuit Politics yeah. came from. And I thought, well, I have all these fabulous friends that work in politics and I'll start interviewing women. And I did an interview. I like to give answers more than I like to ask questions, it turns out. So it just kind of sat there for a while. And when Beth came along, I'm like, okay, wait, this is something I could get really excited about. And so we did a test run. We just talked on the phone about Kentucky politics. And 45 minutes in, I said, we're not going to talk anymore unless we're recording it. We had a really good rapport, a really yeah. good chemistry from the very beginning. That's terrific. All right. So you started how many years ago? Three. three, Yeah, three and a half. What was that first podcast like? Oh, my gosh. We were talking about um, Matt Bevin had just been elected governor of Kentucky. He was like the pre-Trump. Can I be honest with you? And so it was a really good conversation, but we thought like our friends and family were going to listen. And then it took off really quickly, but we just stayed committed to, we're just talking to each other. We're not going to worry about who's listening. Right. The important is, the important part is the vulnerability between the two of us. And you come at it from different ways. You're more liberal. Absolutely. Beth is more conservative. How do you keep it civil? Because I think this is something that has become much more difficult for individuals in today's environment. And I'm not just saying in the United States, but Mm -hmm. even globally. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think we talk a lot about this in our book. It's not a secret sauce, right? It's a practice. It's not this one time you have a conversation, you're like, I fixed it. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get facts wrong. You're going to hurt each other's feelings, but you're committed. You're committed to the practice of listening to each other, to engaging each other in conversation, to getting curious about where the other person is coming from. And I think that sort of grander vision about where we're going with the relationship, instead of feeling like every time we have to sit down and come to agreement about healthcare, that's not going to go anywhere. But that's a throwback view. I mean, we used to be in that place. Mm -hmm. We used to be in a place where whether you were in a family or whether you were with a friend that you could do that. But 
that what you're describing is really rare these days. Yes. How did we get so far away from it? I mean, I think it's so many things. I think there were some decisions by policymakers and politicians to change the way they did things in the 90s. I think that there was the presence of social media, which really gives everybody the permission to just come in and like or dislike instead of engage, <laughs> right? To just react. We just need your reaction. We don't really need your patience or your curiosity or for you to listen. What we need is your attention and immediate reaction. And I think that trains us all. It trains us into this idea that there's only two positions, everything is binary, and you have to pick Pick a side, put on that jersey, pick a side, that's all that matters. And what we're really pushing back against is saying it's it's almost a throwback. Hey, I know that's how it is right now, but we're choosing to stay in that place. We can choose to go into a different direction. Let's agree to disagree. Mm. I love your uh, your book is called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the point is, we've gotten to a situation where people express a point of view and they get in trouble for it. For, you know, where if you went back 30 years, 20 years, maybe even 10 years, you, you didn't get in the kind of trouble you get in today. So that's kind of dangerous to me. That cancel culture. You're canceled if you have the yes. wrong opinion. Yes. We talk about cancel culture a lot. I think you're canceled, but yeah. you're also kicked out of office. You yeah. lose your you're job. Done. You're done. And what we really want to encourage everyone to think about is that you can absolutely disagree with someone. You can think their opinion is dangerous. You can believe that it's important to start activism, that corporate corporations shouldn't support them. Like all that is available to us in a democracy. But what we say is no matter what, we're not going to dehumanize somebody. Everybody has the right to basic human dignity. We don't gain anything. If we're worried about the dehumanization of a system or a culture, we don't gain anything by dehumanizing the people who disagree with us. That just degrades everybody. Who do I want to be when I come out of this disagreement or this controversy? That's what we're really asking. So do you see any glimmers of hope that we're moving toward your <laughs> view of how to do this and away from what feels like a rut we've been stuck in for quite some time. Absolutely. Our listeners give us so much hope every single day. And honestly, I think even looking at the Democratic 2020 field gives me a lot of hope. The way they talk to each other, the way they talk about each other on Twitter. You know, Cory Booker, Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand have this great relationship and they talk about each other all the time. So I think we see this hunger and this desire to go in a different direction from a lot of people. It's we're all going to get on the same page? No. It's not going to happen. All but gonna, there's a there's a hunger. But do you think once the debates begin and once the field has to whittle down, does it change? I mean, it's unbelievable, right, to see how things get all of a sudden people who were collegial with one another. Be, it becomes pretty ugly. Well, no doubt. As the stakes rise, people start to justify all kinds of behavior. I think that happens in arguments. And, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that it would happen in the presidential nominee. But no matter how high the stakes are, we don't have to go to that place. Yeah, I think back to and, you know, Carol and I were sitting in our studio watching the Kavanaugh hearings. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like that was an inflection point, not in a good way, no. in terms of right. where we were as a country, where we were as men and women, where mm -hmm. we were as Republicans uh, and Democrats. When you look at a moment like that, does that worry you that, oh, my God, we are so far gone? No, I mean, it's was an incredibly difficult time. It's an incredibly difficult thing to talk to talk about still. There's a lot of tension in our culture about a lot of things, gender, race, social injustices. That tension's not going anywhere, but we have to find a way to hold it 
to sit with it, to be with it without attacking each other, without treating each other like the enemy. We are facing hard challenges. No one's arguing otherwise. But that doesn't, you know, how we react to those hard challenges is going to say so much about us. But it's interesting, too, when you are going back to Kavanaugh, like you, to have somebody who is such a credible individual and then to see Judge Kavanaugh, you know, kind of get a little unruly mm-hmm. in that testimony. But it was just interesting to see how people reacted to that. Yeah, it was definitely, I think, this this test of all of us. And we had some of our most difficult emotional conversations. Beth is raising three, two little girls. I'm raising three little boys. And we, you did this on in your yeah, podcast. Absolutely. There yep. were a lot of tears. There was a lot of emotion. And Beth's really good at seeing as new controversies come forward, how she's still reacting to that one. You know, with all the Biden stuff that came forward, she said, I'm still re- I'm still in that. I'm still working through the trauma of what happened with the Kavanaugh How did you here. guys, okay, but Biden, let's go there. How did you guys play with that one or or what were the different conversations, different views that you had on that? This is where our complimentary personalities come in handy because I'm running real hot on that issue right now. Um, and Beth is the one that's like, hey, like we don't have to cancel. He can still be an admirable person with a lot of, you know, things to look at and accomplishments. And we can all admire him and say, I don't think you're the best person to run for president right now for a lot of reasons. Like we just we think we have to go all in and we have to cancel Joe Biden. We don't have to cancel Joe Biden. We can say, I respect you. I respect your accomplishments. And I don't know if this is the best moment for you to run for president. I think that all those things can be true. And, you know, I think about and this is outside of the realm of politics. But, you know, one of the current scandals or crises that we're working through is this college admission scandal, mm-hmm. you know, which really brings to the fore so many of the issues that are underneath or maybe not so underneath around inequality and access to education, access to to anything mm-hmm. and the rules and the rules don't apply to certain people mm-hmm. and money can be thrown at just about anything uh, to solve a problem. What are the other issues that are that you're sort of working through either on your podcast or, you know, as you try and make sense of the world. I think that is such a perfect example because I think it's so important to point out we talk a lot about individual choices and how individuals engage with the political culture and the political environment. But that's not the end of it. We have systematic problems, right? We're not saying that this is the solution to every problem that faces America. We have big systematic problems. That scandal is a perfect example of them. But to get people to engage, just like you're talking about, to think through these things on a bigger level, they can't feel cynical and disempowered in their own personal relationships, in their own personal conversations. Why would they engage with systematic change if they're not even talking about politics in their personal lives? And I think that's sort of the, the give and take here. It's not that every individual choice is going to solve something like the can, the scandal at the college admissions level, but that at least we can start talking so that we can really have, what do we want college admissions to look like? What do we want um, our country to look like? What does it mean to be a citizen? What is immigration going to look like in 10, 20 years? All mm-hmm. these big things, we have to have people involved in the process to start looking down the road. Well, you also have to have people thinking longer term, exactly. and that's part of the problem. Exactly. One last question I want to ask you is, is there a podcast that you recall that you got an awful lot of heat for? Oh, so many, <laughs> so many podcasts that we got a lot of heat for. I mean, we brought on a woman who described herself as a Catholic, uh, a feminist Catholic, a feminist pro-life person. And our listeners had a very strong reaction to her description of herself. It was one of our best conversations because nobody got heated 
about a very controversial topic, but it was, it was a, a thing where the way she identified herself, just the first thing out of her mouth, people had a real problem with. Right. But then we had listeners say, well, I listened to it again. I still, I had that reaction. I had that strong reaction and I listened to it again and I felt differently and I heard some things for the first time. And so it was that immediate reaction then wait hold on what if I can push through that immediate emotional reaction to a deeper level engagement so it was the hardest but it's one of the ones I'm most proud of it's a good lesson all right mm-hmm. at the risk of like <laughs> turning into a wormhole of uh sort of self the black uh, hole the, the black hole yeah of- we're gonna get a, a picture of the black hole podcast like seem to be having a moment you've been at this for a few years what is it about this medium in particular you got you know, private equity guys throwing money at it, mm-hmm. new things coming along. Why? Because of what we just said. Because people will say the engagement is different. Well, let me listen to it again. You can't skim a podcast. You can't just read a headline and be like, dislike. You know, it's a very <laughs> more, like, it's an intimate engagement. We're in their ears. I mean, they feel like they know us. I blogged before this and it is totally different the way people engage with podcast it's a personal relationship and we heard a really fascinating thing there was a study where they let people try to spot lies and the worst they did was tv the second worst was newspapers and the the more accurate like the best they were able to spot the lie was through listening it's something about it's like primal when you're listening to stories through your ears it's mm-hmm. like around the fireplace or around the fire pit like back in the day so safe to say you're looking forward to the 2020 elections oh yeah <laughs> yeah although i feel like i'm like revisiting all these traumas it's fine <laughs> Need therapy. um great to spend some time with you sarah thank you thank you thanks You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg.